Welcome to the Expert Ownership Podcast, where we launch faith-filled entrepreneurs into greater freedom and success. Billy Graham once said that the next great move of God, he believed, would be among Christians in the marketplace. We believe that too. We want to be a part of it, and we want to help equip and inspire you to do the same. So please follow us on socials at Expert Ownership. If you haven't been to our website yet, check it out, expertownership.com. Here we go. Now, today's a special episode because we're not always bringing guests on, but today we've got a special guest. It's a strategic advisor of ours. We know him as Big Shin, which... No, it's Big Show. Well, it's the same. It's the same. I I was getting a back scratch. That was nice. It it really is the same. He is probably the smartest marketing mind that any of us know, so this is good. You know, when we say marketing, we're not talking about, like, I've got a niece who you know, wants to get a job and... My brother's cousin's uncle does websites. That's right. We're not talking about that. I mean, that's a part of marketing. It's the dark underbelly of marketing, but we're not talking about that today. Today, we're actually talking about marketing in a way that hopefully is really helpful. So, Trey, uh, first of all, good to have you. Yeah, I'm I'm stoked to be here. You're two of my favorite human beings on earth, so this is an honor to be able to be on your pod with you and just share the little bit about what the good Lord has taught me about marketing. Here's the best thing about this podcast is we drop Jason. Well, the anchor, we literally cut the rope. You feel like he's been holding us back? I do. Well, at least the first several episodes, yeah, he's held us back. He has really brought, he hadn't brought a ton of value, which is why I'm so excited about this podcast. So this dude right here is low? Oh, yeah. No. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'll tell you what, you know, Trey, man, you've worked with some of the biggest names and the biggest companies in the country, and especially the biggest Christian voices in the country. So I'm pumped about what you're going to give the folks on this podcast today. Yeah, I've been really fortunate that the Lord has smiled on me and, uh, man, from working with celebrities through to Christian public figures, authors and speakers, uh, content creators. I've also had a chance to work on some really large subscription businesses, some e-commerce funnels for big hotel chains. So the Lord has given me a plethora of marketing opportunities over the last 12 years, and I'm grateful for every single one of them. And I hope that I can add some value today with some of the things that I've learned along the way. I feel like it's easier to list all the people that Trey has not worked with. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Have you worked with any animals? Um, well, <laughs> any yeah, Christian animals? Christian animals. I've never asked if they, were, the if they were animals of faith or not, but um, <laughs> probably at some point. Probably. Okay, I'll tell you the question that comes okay. more than any other question. When you talk to somebody who's in business and they say, oh, you're a marketer? Oh, this mm-hmm. is cool. I got a question for you. And almost every time it's, how do I use technology to actually improve what I'm doing as it, as it relates to sales and marketing? So I'm going to toss you a softball and say, take this wherever you want, but okay. my only request is you got to make it practical. Yeah. The greatest misstep with trying to use tech to unlock marketing is going too fast and using too much. Wait, talk about that because Wait, yep. w- when people say going too fast, isn't that yep. the reason I'm using tech so I can go faster? Yep. Eventually. All tech does is exacerbate the direction you're already going in. It it makes really bad marketing get worse or really good marketing get better. The tech that you add into your stack, which is the way I would call it, it's just an enablement tool. If your strategic decisions around content and target customer, if those things are off even the slightest degree, all tech is going to do is make you get to the wrong destination quicker or get you to the good destination faster. And so a lot of people get hung up in oh, you know, I need to have all these channels. I need to have all these analytics platforms. I need to have this. I need to have that. And they way overthink it. The average business owner that I've engaged with in my life, 
could do one channel really well and probably hit about every single goal that they want to hit. Mm. But they get so stretched across, well, my people are on this channel, they're on that channel, i got to do search engine marketing, and i got to have a killer website. You could literally go on Facebook right now and have a store on your Facebook page and be successful if you do it the right way. Now, what what is Facebook? What is that? Facebook, well, it's interesting. It's changed a lot in the last 18 <laughs> months. You never know what Facebook is. I would say they're a media company now. Before 18 months ago, I would say they were a social network. I would say Facebook is a channel. And so that, that's probably an important word for us to talk about, make sure we're using the same vernacular yep. as we discuss this. I consider Facebook a channel. I consider Google, you know, search a channel. I consider email a channel. I consider content like blogging or books, things of that nature, video. I think I consider that a channel all underneath one umbrella. So Facebook to me is a channel within the social and paid arena because you can do both okay. on that platform. But I will say Facebook is super interesting because for the right business with the right customer, it's probably the best channel to be on. Mm. Um, still. Still. Even, it's got even, the most people. Yeah, uh, you know, it depends on the angle. I'm going to argue it's either going to be Google or Facebook for different reasons. Like where I'm my current day job right now, I've got several businesses that I work with. My job is kind of like an internal strategy consultant over a couple of different business units under a brand umbrella. It's kind of the best way to think about what I do. And so I've got one of my businesses that is largely, I mean, largely dependent on Facebook. Probably 95%, 95 cents of every dollar they make, they make from Facebook. And then I've got another business that makes about 55 cents of every dollar it makes from Google. Mm. And so for very different reasons, but in both of those situations, they are focused on knowing their target customer, having really great content. And then the tech just comes underneath that and supports, it facilitates better conversations, but it doesn't actually create. The tech doesn't create the conversations. Good marketing sitting on top of the tech creates good conversations, which is a key unlock for being good at it, to be honest with you. It's thinking about it the right way. Yeah, I love you saying that. When I was in college, I had a guy who mentored me, and he used a term that, uh, forgive me for saying this, he used to say, hey, uh, if you want, you can go ahead and polish that turd, but it's still a turd. Mm. And what you just said about technology just amplifies what you are. Yep. It doesn't change who you are, it just amplifies what you are. That's it's right. so true. Part of the problem with a lot of business owners today, especially entrepreneurs who are saying, like, I've got an idea, and I want to take this idea further, and I feel like technology is what I need to take it there faster. All true, but not just because you have technology, right? Technology if you don't know how to implement it. Technology takes really good validated ideas faster. But okay, I would so say in that situation, you got to validate your idea. Hey, I've got a very practical thing. Yeah. It just hit me. So I'm a baseball player. Mm -hmm. I grew up playing baseball. Do you still say I am a baseball player? Or do you okay, say I was? I was. I was yeah, no, because I, I, sure. I can't throw anymore, but I used to could throw a country mile. But I will say this. There were kids that would show up, and they would have the best bat money could mm, buy. They'd have the example. best money. Yes. They'd have the best cleats. And me and Jason, we were straight up poor. I mean, I remember my dad, for his birthday, his 40th birthday, asked his parents, because his parents would always get him a gift, which was really kind of sweet. Anyway, and so grandma and grandpa, they, they asked dad, what do you want for your birthday? And he said, I want a 3431 Easton Black Magic bat. Now, of course, here my dad's 40. He doesn't want a Black Magic bat, but what yeah, did he, he want? He wanted it for me and Jason, because we never had a bat. Our bats were terrible. We used to wear those little old beat-up McGregor cleats. Remember the McGregor? I love those. Yeah. You wear the stirrup socks or the regular socks? Oh, socks? no, I wore the stirrup socks, yeah, yeah. baby. I mean, it was yeah. straight up, cool. right up to my knees. And then we had Spalding mitts. So those were like, I mean, Rollins yeah, the best was kind the of story. One. But it was Spalding mitts, McGregor cleats, and an old silver Easton dented bat. 
And so my dad got us this black magic, and I remember getting some hand-me-down shoes. And then one Christmas, I got a Nakona kangaroo baseball glove. But anyway, I say all that to say a lot of the dudes would show up to the field, and they had all the best yes. equipment. All the tech. But they were, they, were, yeah. they were not going to the next level. Yeah, so it's like when I go out with, you know, I'm a golfer. I enjoy playing golf. I'm a decent what do you, golfer. What do you shoot? Now, what do you shoot, though, Trey? Uh, I have a seven handicap. That's, it's, it's, Come you know, on. It's, it's What's it's your okay. Handicap? It's okay. I it's don't funny. even know what that means. There's plenty of times I play with golfers though, and they've got you know flash this and flash that, and you're walking the course with them, and you're like, you realize that your handicap is actually your swing. It's not. <laughs> it's not actually anything. I like you. Have, you need a different swing if you want to be good at this. So again, you can have all the best tools, but if the skill's not there, the talent's not there. And so I think tech people get oversold. If you think about it, if I am a tech provider in marketing, I am going to figure out how to make my tech sound like it's the fix-all, it's the end-all, be-all. Yes, yeah, of course. And I think in the last 10 years, like, we have overcomplicated marketing. Right person, right message. Okay, simplify right it. Time. Right person, right message, right time. Period. That's it. That's marketing. And so it doesn't matter if it's a book, if it's a live event, if it's a subscription, if it's a hamburger. Like, it doesn't matter what it is. Marketing can always be boiled down to right person, right message, right time. And what tech can do is help you identify who more of the right people are. Right, oh, that's and great. it can help you cheat on when the right time is. It can create a lot more enable it, and maybe it can help you split test into the right message. But you got to have good bones to start with. Yeah. But it's not going to figure all that out for you. It's not going to make that good just because you have it. Like you've got to go and work at it. So, I think people can get hung up and they can get overextended and spend too much on quick fix solutions when they really need just to get back to the kind of blocking and tackling of good marketing, which is really good messaging targeted at the right people. No, that's so good, Trey. And I think people overlook it all the time, the fact that, okay, I am what I am, and this doesn't automatically fix me. I can't buy my way into being a better product maker or better marketer necessarily. I can buy my way into delivering something faster. Mm-hmm. I can yeah. I can spread the message a lot further, but it's still not a good message. Yeah, like test the message, not the mechanism. Like spend the time really nuancing your words and images and everything down to make people not focused on the, what what the product is. Help them focus on what the product does. Yeah, that, that's, that's great. The big shift mm-hmm. that that's if you're good. if you're an owner out there, you're listening to this. You got a business. Just go look at your sales slicks or your marketing landing pages or whatever you're sending customers to. The decks that your salespeople are walking people through, and if it's a bunch of features on pages, yeah. light it on fire. Yeah. Go back to the drawing board and ask the so that question ten times. Can I just say one thing real quick? Another example because I'm I'm very simple. I love this. So Publix can advertise turkeys. The grocery store. Yeah, oh. Publix is the grocery store. There you go. And they can advertise turkeys. And you should buy turkeys and you should buy stuffing and you should buy all this stuff that they have right around November. But Publix does not run those ads. Mm-hmm. Publix runs the ads where the military man is walking up the yeah. driveway and you even get choking up even thinking about it. And his daughter comes running out and they're hugging. And the next thing you know, he's in the house and they're having Thanksgiving together. It's like Publix is like, I'm selling you the turkey. But what I'm really doing is I'm helping you connect with your family. Yeah, they're relation. selling you the shopping is a pleasure. That's right. Yes. Celebrating so, life. So this is, I'm super partial to this one. I and my father worked for one of their competitors for 35 years. So there's a lot of Publix war stories kind of coming yes. in my household. And I've actually got a good colleague where I currently work who is super passionate about this. We've actually talked about this very topic. So this is really crazy that you just brought that up. But we often talk about the fact that Publix is so good because they focus on emotion. Yes. 
yeah. XYZ company that I won't say is so bad because they focus on facts. Yeah. Always, I'll tell you what their tagline is. Always low prices. That's, that's every time they do a commercial, it's always low prices. And it's like, great. I get that you got low prices, but you got low everything else too. Like yeah. it's dirty. The service yeah. ain't. I'm going like, to get I'm, shanked on like, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> but over where I go over here to Publix, it's a pleasure. I'd rather go have a pleasure and play a little bit more and not have to worry about any of those things. So I do think that's a really healthy thing to call out on that right message, right person, right time. Emotion. Emotion is, it's probably one of the most making people feel something people will let me say it this way. People will buy the feeling. Yes. Way more than they, if they don't buy the feeling, you're going to have to sell them the product. That's the way I would say it. And that's uphill. Selling them the product is uphill. Then buying the feeling is downhill. If you can figure out how to make your marketing more downhill, guess what will happen? It'll mm-hmm. go a lot faster. Well, lot and, and you know, as an expert owner, and, and by expert owner, we mean faith-filled entrepreneur yeah. mm-hmm. seeking greater freedom and success so that you can advance God's kingdom, right? right. Not your own. So you can utilize the marketing tactics to make them feel something for a manipulative, wrong, right. worldly way, Again. right? You, you want them to feel something so that you can sell them something. Well, we want you to feel something so that we can serve you in such a way that allows you to see who it is that God created you to be or those connect deeper with those relationships God's given you or simply just to meet an external need, right? I mean, I'm selling, my company sells diapers. That's great. Awesome. You sell diapers. You might not be super excited about it, but I'll tell you what, that really helps that mother with that baby, you know, that dad with that baby. It's just an amazing thing. We want to utilize the emotions so that we can serve and so that we can meet the internal need and not simply the external need. Yeah, even a step further than that. If you do it right, not only can you meet the external need, the internal need, and the philosophical need is the question that they're asking themselves in their head. It's even deeper rooted than the internal need, which is why and how people become brand advocates for like a lifetime. Right. Because companies have aligned with the ideology or the values that they have. They've met the philosophical need of why, you know, why this, why this or this, why so many people were like, you know, it is what it is. We've got differing opinions on it, but the social justice movement and Nike, you know, Patagonia and their willingness to, you know, want to fix the world. You know, they, they're focused on their climate change. You know, like there's certain companies that have really tapped into that philosophical need. And I would challenge expert owners of like, yeah, hey, if you're selling uh, accounting services, there's not a ton. Maybe there's not a philosophical need you can meet, but I would challenge you to think about it. Maybe, yeah. maybe there is. Yeah. You know, if, you, if you ask you ask a different set of questions, you might come up with a different set of answers. Yeah, so, one of the things that we've been doing ever since we started our businesses was we were helping mothers with unplanned pregnancies. It's a great example. Right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. Helping yep. them out. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's great. And if people don't understand or have a good handle on what it is that they're actually in business for, I mean, this is the one of the conversations we have with people all the time about identity. Who are you? And why do you want to be in business? Mm-hmm. Mm. And if that answer doesn't really give you fuel for the fire, yeah, could be a problem. Could yeah, be a problem down exactly the road because right. you're, you're going to find yourself feeling like, well, I'm making money and I'm growing my business. I'm opening new franchises. I'm expanding into new geos. And it just doesn't seem to be getting the job done for me, meaning there's something in you that's still unsatisfied, yeah. still unfulfilled. And that's a real factor for people. I, I get that business in large part is, can we make enough money to stay in business so we can keep doing this? But to what end? If you don't have a good handle going into it on, here's why I'm in business. Here's the larger picture that I'm really pursuing. You find yourself stuck after years, decades, going in the same direction, wondering, what was I doing this for? Yeah. Again, I forgot. <laughs> it reminds me of the Zig Ziglar quote. If you help enough other people, you don't ever have to worry about money. You know, it's like there's some 
component to really good marketing that is others first all the time. Yes. Instead of being like me first, my goals, my profit line, my everything. It's like, if you can figure out how to make it others first all the time, you can lead with emotion, lead with feeling, get into that side of their brain, like left, left brain, right brain thinking. Like one is analytical, one is creative and feeling. It's like, if you can start there, tugging on those heartstrings, helping them align to why this product makes their life better. It doesn't just solve a problem, makes their life better, helps them feel something. If that's something that owners that really are wanting to grow and take their business to the next level, if they were just to go back and look at their copy and their messaging and their, their, their images with that lens, I think they would find that there's a way to make it better. I was thinking about, you know, those guys that we were in the coaching session with just a couple weeks ago, Yeah, you know, got on the website and it's like, Hey, you've got a bunch of real people that work for you, right? It's like, yeah. It's like, why don't why don't you put their faces on the website? Why don't you take something that's ext- there in the the banking mortgage business? It's like that's extremely institutionalized feel. Yeah. So if you humanize it a little bit, I wonder what will happen for your brand. No offense to those guys. It's like, well, I'm. I think they've got an awesome brand, but that's a simple adjustment. Yeah. Of making it less about. By doing that, you're actually not even making it about you. You're making it about them. And then, you know, we, we took them down a different path altogether that day. But I just think it's little small, subtle tweaks like that. It's like if you'd spend less time worried about tech stack and more time worried about human touch points and humanizing your brand, humanizing your message, and coming off as somebody who's others-focused first, I actually think you'll see a speed-to-market increase and effectiveness increase, and ultimately profits would go up. Mm. Because you could cut down. You save the money that you would have invested in the tech, which is always expensive. Yeah, that's true. All right, let's get ready to wrap up. But before I do, I've got a question for you, Trey. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a personal question. I was, I was noticing the the volume of hair on your arm. Oh, gosh. And I was just going to say, if you were going to describe the amount of body hair that oh, you have, how would you describe that? More than that. More than that. <laughs> Whatever that means. <laughs> would I you, love it. It's, it's such the a best beat. way to say it. My little girl, I've got a five-year-old. She's she, the best. She, she Trey's always, five-year-old is she's always outstanding. Like, Dad, how how can you have that much hair on your arms, but you don't have any hair on your head? And I'm like, that's because it all ran downhill, baby. I, I don't know. It, it just it stays down there. I don't, spoken, I don't get it. Spoken like a true marketer. Yeah, it just goes downhill. Would you say if I if I put my hand on your back, oh, gosh. it would be like a little give? Like uh, it would feel like there's like a... <laughs> there'd be some bounce Like a there. four mil pad? Maybe a little bounce. He's got a big, thick back, man. Oh, yeah. That big, broad shoulders. That's a football back. That's, that's right. Football that's back. A, All right. That's a three technique back right there. We end every uh, podcast episode the same way. It's called Own It or Loan It, where we throw out a topic, and then you tell me, yeah, I'll own that. Like, I'll buy it. I'm in. I want that. Or loan it. I'm not interested. I hope somebody comes and asks me for that because I'd love to give that I'm thing sure away. give it to David. I want nothing to do with nope. this. Depends this is, on what it is. No, this is both of you. Oh, okay. We've been on a streak, too, of lots of own it. So I'm, I'm now on a mission to choose some topics that aren't ridiculous that are going to fall in the loan it category. So own it or loan it. Harry Potter. Mm. Own it. Why? Uh, I think it's an incredible parallel and redemptive story to the story of Christ. My gosh. Harry Potter is? Mm-hmm. I've never watched it. What about read it? I've never read it. It's a fantastic series. But yes. I did do uh, Lord of the Rings. Yeah, I would also own that. And, Nar- and Narnia. I would own that I like well. I like C.S. Lewis and mm-hmm. Tolkien. Harry Potter, own it or loan it? Loan it. Bam! That's the first time. It's the first time. It's the first time in this whole I've, season. Because I've loaned it in my own house. Yeah, I just I just figured all the sorcery and stuff. Let's I, go. Yeah. Let's go. Lord of the Rings. Let's go. Uh, Narnia. I'm not there's dogmatic some, about it, but for my house, I said loan it. There's some sorcery in Lord. I know. I know that. Oh, there's no sorcery in Lord of the Rings. Gandalf, are you kidding me? No <laughs> sorcery whatsoever. <laughs> well, that's it for today's episode. 
Thanks for joining us on the Expert Ownership Podcast. Don't forget, subscribe, rate, review. And uh, if you get the chance, we'd love to invite you to join the Owner Suite. And if you're not a part of the Owner Suite now, it's where we post almost everything new that comes out of Expert Ownership. It could be new research. It could be a new study. It's where new content, new interviews are coming. So please join us there. Be our guest. We'd love to have you. And by the way, I want to remind you as we're wrapping up today, we would encourage you to put impact over income. But you know, like we always say, if you can have both, it's a pretty good deal too. All right, we'll see you next episode. Thank you.